Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, beginning there in the ninth chapter, the twenty-fourth verse. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Hello, dear Christian friends in Christ Jesus. It is nice, isn't it, to be here in church on this beautiful Sunday morning with the sun shining. And it's nice, members of the radio audience, to have you worshiping with us also today. And I hope that all of us who are worshiping at this hour will be glad that we did so. You heard me say at the lectern this morning that today in the Christian church is known as Septuagesimus Sunday. You see, in the Christian church we have come through the Advent season, we've come through Christmas, we've come through the Epiphany season, and now today we stand on Septuagesimus Sunday. Now that word is a Latin word and it simply means the numeral 70. It indicates that today we are about 70 days away from Easter. In other words, in the Christian church today we are turning from the Epiphany season and we are setting our gaze on the Lenten season that is soon to come on Calvary, Good Friday, and on Easter. Seventy days. Septuagesimus is the first of three Sundays before the coming of the Lenten season. And in the Christian church, the ancient church, the epistle lesson that was read on this Sunday was a section of the Word of God taken out of Paul's letter that he wrote to the Corinthian congregation in Greece. In that first letter, Paul talked to them about the Christian life and he likened it to a race that a man runs. And it's rather thrilling to know that that's the epistle lesson that will be read in hundreds of thousands of liturgical churches this morning, the ancient epistle from the ancient Christian church. And this is what Paul had to tell those Christians living in Corinth. He said, now you know that in a foot race, all who are in it run. Now they understood that because in Corinth, because of Alexander the Great, there was a stadium, there was a coliseum, and they had all manner of athletic events. And they understood what a foot race was all about. And Paul said, you know when you see a foot race that all who are in the race, they all run. But Paul says only one receives the prize. They don't all get the prize. Paul says, you know that. They all run but they do not all get the prize. Some of them do not win, but they lose the prize. Paul says, you know that. And then Paul says, so I say to you Christians, you run, you run the Christian race, you live your life so that you attain, that you get the prize, that you do not lose it. And all because Paul reminded them, it's possible to lose the prize. And today, as Paul speaks to us by inspiration of God, from God's Word, to you and me in the 20th century, Paul is saying this to you and me. Paul is saying, run that you may obtain. Run this Christian race. Live your lives, Christians, so that you win. Don't lose the prize. And all because Paul says, 
it is possible to lose the prize. Just as in a foot race, not all who run get the prize, but some lose it, not all win it. Therefore, Paul says, in the same way in your Christian life, when you run the race, not every Christian is going to win the prize. Some are going to lose it. And you know, that sort of troubles us, doesn't it? We say, that's hard to believe, that the Christian race is like a regular foot race. We may say to ourselves, it's hard to believe that Paul is entreating us and saying, listen, Christians, you run to win. You run that you're going to win that prize and you're not going to lose it because it's possible to lose it. We may say, is it possible as a Christian to lose the prize? Isn't it true that once a Christian, always a Christian? Isn't it true that once in grace, you're always in grace? Isn't it true that once a child of God, you're always a child of God? Isn't it true that once saved, you're always saved? But Paul says, no, that isn't true. Paul says, look at the foot race. All run in there, but not all win the prize. Some lose it. And Paul said, it's the same way in the Christian race as you and I live our lives. Paul says, you run so that you win. You run that you attain that prize, that you don't lose it. Because Paul says, it's possible as Christians to lose the prize. It isn't true that once a Christian, always a Christian. It isn't true that once in grace, always in grace. It isn't true that once in Christ, always in Christ. It isn't true that once saved, always saved. Paul says, you Christians at Corinth, I plead with you, run to win. Don't lose the prize. You and I may say, is it possible to be a Christian and to lose the prize? And Paul says on the basis of the Word of God, yes, because in the first place, Paul reminds you and me that not all Christians, as they run this race, as they live their Christian life, not all of them exercise self-control or self-discipline. Oh, when you talk about men in a foot race, Paul says, those that want to win, those that want the mastery, what do they do? He says, they exercise self-control. They abide by the training rules, and they aim to do what is right. But you know and I know that many a man who says, I'm a Christian, I have repented of my sins, I have put my faith in Christ as my Lord and Savior, that many a Christian does not surrender in self-control to the rules of the game. What about doing what is right? Look at the Word of God. God says in the first commandment, put Him first. Many a Christian says, I'm a child of God, and I know I'm to put God first in my life, in my will, but I don't want to do so, and I don't do it. God says this, that you and I are to pray, and to praise, and to give Him thanks. We're to use His name in a good way, how many Christians say, but I don't pray. I know it's right, but I don't surrender. I pray if I want to. I don't care whether I have prayer at the table or not with my children. I don't care whether I read the Word of God. I don't care whether I thank and praise God. I know it's right, and I don't do it, but I'm a Christian. How many Christians today know this, that it, what is right, it is God's will to be in church. How many Christians are not in church this morning because they don't want to be? Because they have never surrendered in self-discipline to God's rule of right. They are not in training in the race. 
And if you would say, but you're not a Christian, they would say, Oh, yes, I am a Christian. I was baptized. I was confirmed. I am a child of God. And yet, they have never surrendered to the will of God. Oh, reading and studying the Word of God. Rather strange what you see in the hospital at times. People going in there for surgery and not knowing where they're going to live. And sometimes you see the movie magazine stacked high, but you look in vain for a copy of a New Testament for a book of prayer. Rather strange, isn't it, that not all Christians surrender in self-control. God says, honor your father and your mother. That's right, and you and I know it's right. But how many Christians say, I don't want to honor my father and mother, and I don't care whether I take care of them or not, but I'm a Christian. How many Christians have surrendered? And God says again, we are, as regards our neighbor, we are to deal with him in love and kindness. And how many say, I know that's right, but I'm not going to do it. I know God wants me to live a clean life, but I don't care whether I live a clean life, whether I sanctify my marriage, whether I, again, have respect for my wife or for my husband. There are those that God says, I'm to be, dis I'm to be honest and not to be dishonest. And I know that's right, but how many Christians have really surrendered in self-control and say, this is right and therefore I must do it. God says, speak the truth in love. And how many of us say, I'm going to speak the truth in love? I know that's right, but I will not do it. Many a Christian has not surrendered in discipline to what is right. And when in a Christian experience, a man so lives that he does not surrender to what is right, then that man knows this, that it's possible to lose the prize because willful, deliberate sins of omission dethrone Jesus Christ in your heart and mind. These are sins of omission. These are sins of deliberately failing to do what we know is right. And even though you and I as Christians say, I know that's right. I know what God wants me to do, but I choose not to do it. And therefore, when that time comes in a man's life and that's the way he lives, and he deliberately sins with sins of omission, failing to do what is right, what is he doing? He is disavowing Jesus Christ and saying, you're not the ruler of my life, I'm the ruler of my life. That means again to be disqualified. Don't let anybody ever tell you that because you and I are a Christian that it means that we can't lose the crown. Don't let anybody tell you that once saved, always saved. Don't let anybody tell you that once a Christian, always a Christian. It's just like in a foot race. It's as simple as all that. All who run the race, they're qualified to get into the race, but not all of them win. Some of them lose. You and I may be Christians. We may have surrendered to Jesus Christ, but in your life and mine, when there are deliberate sins of omission, we can know this, that it's possible to fall from grace. It's possible to lose the crown. Because when we fail to do what is right, when you and I know the right, we are absolutely disavowing Jesus Christ and we are driving him from our lives. And that's why today on Septuagesima Sunday, when we look at ourselves as Christians, no wonder Paul calls to us as he did to the Christians at Corinth and he says, run to win. Get in there and pitch and win when you live your Christian life and realize this and win and don't lose because it's possible to lose. That ought to mean this, that today, right now, in your life and mine, if we're going to run to win, we ought to say this, there's one thing that's ending right now here in church, and as I'm listening, from this time on, I am not going to deliberately, at any time, refuse to do what is right. I've always admired General Douglas MacArthur. 
because in the life that he had and in the troubles he was a man that stood up one day you remember he said God give me the courage and the strength to do the right as I see the right and that's the way to run the race and unless you and I have surrendered in self-control well, let's know this we're not running to win we're running it to lose it we ought to run it to win it to say never will I deliberately refuse to do what is right because, listen, that crown is worthwhile. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, look at those that run in the foot races. What do they get? A crown, a handful of leaves, that's all. A laurel wreath on their head. And Paul says, look what we get. An incorruptible crown, the crown of eternal life. And I know sometimes we may say, well, what does it mean? And in order to get the sense of value of the crown, then we ought to say to ourselves, well, how valuable, how wonderful is it to know this and stand at the cross occasionally and say, it must be valuable. Whether I feel the crown of life is valuable or not, God died in order to make that crown possible. When God came into this world in the form of a human being and on Calvary's cross bore your guilt and mine and the eternity and hell for you and me, then whether you and I can fathom it or realize it or imagine it, that crown of eternal life must be tremendous. God died in order to make it possible. It must be tremendous then to have eternal life, to go to heaven and to live with our God, to be reunited with our loved ones who have passed away in the joy and the fulfillment of eternal life. It must be tremendous. God died so that you and I might have a crown of life. Oh, we say to ourselves on this Sunday again, in running the Christian life, we say, why, once in grace, always in grace, aren't you? When you're once saved, you're always saved. And Paul says, oh, no. You Corinthians think about a foot race. All who are in it run, don't they? They're all in there. And they've been qualified to run. But he says, not all of them get the prize. Some of them lose it. And then he says, so run that you may attain, that you may get it. Run that you're going to win, that you're not going to lose it. Why? Because it's possible as Christians to lose the prize. In the second place, Paul reminds us of this. It's possible to lose it once in grace, not always in grace. You and I can lose the crown because Paul reminds us that not all Christians deliver a death blow to their bodies as they run this race. I realize that Paul here mixes his symbols and mixes his figures. First he's talking about somebody who is running a race. And then he talks about him boxing. And he says, I, he says, when I fight, he says, I don't fight aimlessly. But he says, I deliver a death blow to my body. It is in shadow box. I knock myself out. What's he talking about? He's talking about this, he says, as a Christian, I know what's in my heart. I know my heart is rotten, stinking, dirty, just like your heart and just like my heart. And he knew that out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and blasphemies. But he knew this, that there was only one way to run the race. You have to give yourself a death blow and you have to squelch and knock out the evil desires of life. You've got to say it's wrong and therefore I shall not do it. But how many Christians, and oh, they die and fight and defend themselves and say, I'm a Christian, I'm in the race. How many Christians today have really given a knockout blow to their evil desires? When God says, don't take my name in vain, how many say, says you, if I want to do wrong, I'm going to do wrong. And what do I care about you? 
when again God says don't despise preaching and his word how many Christians say I will if I want to I know it's wrong but I'm going to do it anyhow and I don't care Christ what you've got to say and if I want to despise my father and mother I'm going to despise them if I have no use for them that's the way it's going to be and if I want to kill and harm my neighbor and hate him I'm going to hate him but I'm a Christian Sure, I'm not going to squelch you. If I want to live in adultery, if I want to break up my home, if I don't care about the sanctity of marriage, I'll do just as I please. And if I want to be dishonest, I'll be dishonest as a dog's hind leg. And if I want to lie, I'm going to lie. And if I want to covet my neighbor's wife, if I want to covet what he's got, I'm going to do it. How many Christians have never dealt a knockout blow? And yet they say, but I'm in the race. Who have never said to themselves, this is wrong. And therefore know this, Paul says, just as in a race all who are running, they're not all going to win, some are going to lose. Paul says, even as Christians, you and I can still lose the crown. Why? Because deliberate and willful sins of commission. When you and I deliberately in our lives do that which we know is wrong, we disavow Christ, we repudiate him, we tell him, you're no longer my Christ, the leader of my life. I'm the leader of my life. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves and say, oh, once in grace, always in grace. Once saved, always saved. Once in Christ, always in Christ. That simply isn't true. You and I as Christians can lose the crown. We can lose it because not all Christians have ever dealt a death blow and have ever said, it's wrong. And therefore, what we ought to do if we're going to run the wind, if you and I claiming we're Christians and we became children of God in baptism, didn't we? And we renewed our faith on the day of confirmation. We ought to say to ourselves, then I'm going to run, I'm going to live in such a way that from this time on I will never deliberately and willfully do that which I know is wrong. This is an end of sins of commission. Like Joseph in Egypt. When he was in the house of Potiphar and his wife made Google eyes at him and tried again to have him commit adultery, what did he say? How then can I do this wickedness and sin against God? That's wrong. Wrong. You and I, with the power of God, can say this as we run our Christian race. If it's wrong, then God give me the strength to say no, and it'll always be there. Because the crown, that tremendously valuable crown, it's available for all of us. Oh, if God had sent Christ into the world only to provide a crown of life for a certain few, a certain few of the intelligentsia or of the intellectual and not for everyone then you and I could say well there's no crown awaiting me anyhow but bear in mind Christ God's son died on the cross and he provided a crown for you and me and for all men with no exception it's there waiting us and because it's there awaiting you and me we have this joy of knowing there is no one on earth that Christ would rather give the incorruptible crown of eternal life to than to you or then to me. But bear in mind, Paul says, when you're in there running, be sure you're in there running to win. Be sure you're in there and you're not going to lose. Get in there and run to obtain. Run to attain the prize. Don't ever get in there and run and lose because it's possible to lose the crown of life. And knowing again that there is no one that Christ would rather bestow it upon than you and me, what an impetus then to say, it does matter what kind of a race you and I run. It isn't true that once saved, always saved. Once in Christ, always in Christ. 
Paul reminds us why it isn't true because Paul said not all Christians exercise self-control not all Christians give themselves a death blow then he says not all Christians he reminds us look with a proper perspective and view on their blessings and on their capabilities and on their accomplishments you may say what does Paul mean by that? A lot of Christians look at the blessings that they've had and especially their accomplishments. Then they look at them and they say, well, it can't happen to me. I couldn't possibly lose the crown. Paul says, while I have preached to others, oh, Paul could have said this to them, why, look who I am. I am God's anointed preacher to the Gentile world. Why, the living Christ appeared to me in person on the Damascus Way. He called me to be his missionary. I am Paul the Apostle. I am the one that went into Galatia and established a congregation there. And on my second missionary journey, I went up into Philippi and over into Thessalonica and over into Berea. And I came down into Corinth and I spent 18 months in Corinth. And I established that flourishing Christian church there. I had the power of miracles. I even had an opportunity. God, let me see heaven. Look at my blessings. Look at my accomplishments. It would have been so easy for Paul to say, oh, it can't happen to me. I'll never miss the ground. I'll never lose it. Look what I've done. I labored more abundantly than they all. And then Paul told them, he says, listen, remember our fathers in the wilderness you talk about blessings. He talks about the time when Moses led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Paul said, didn't all of them pass under the cloud and they passed through the Red Sea and they got on the other side and weren't all of them baptized under the cloud and in the sea into Moses and didn't all of them eat of that spiritual food and drink of that spiritual drink that accompanied them? Didn't Christ go along with them? Wasn't he the rock that went with them? Oh, what blessings they had, and didn't all of them enjoy them, and they knew that they did. But Paul says, but God was not pleased with them, and they died in the wilderness. Only two above the age of 20 ever got into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. The carcasses were lying in the wilderness. Privileges, yes, but it didn't in any way say that it couldn't happen. They died in the wilderness. And when you and I sometimes, many a Christian says to himself, why, look who I am. Look what I've done in the kingdom of God. Look at my mother, what a saintly mother she was in Christian. My family have belonged to this church for years and years. We've been pillars. We've worked so much in the church. And then to look and to put this kind of an appraisal, oh, this a pride of self-righteousness. Why, I've got it made. I can't lose that crown. God wouldn't think of having me lose the crown. Many a person that calls himself a Christian looks at his talents and abilities and accomplishments and deliberately and willfully commits the sin of pride, of self-righteousness. And listen, when there is deliberate pride and self you and I say, God owes it to me. I've got it coming. That's when you and I repudiate Jesus Christ and we are saying in simple terms to him, you didn't have to die on the cross for me. I'd have made it without you. Paul says, when you run this race, run it to win. 
because you can lose the prize. It's possible to lose the prize. Deliberate sins of pride. Well, they repudiate Jesus Christ. They disqualify you and me in the race. It just isn't true. Well, that once saved, always saved. It just isn't biblical. It isn't scriptural. Once in Christ, always in Christ. It just isn't true that once in grace, always in grace. You and I can be Christians, but unless we run to win, unless we run to win the prize, we can lose it. And realizing that we can lose it, then we ought to say this, wherever we are, you're listening on the radio or here in church, that from this moment on in my life, I will never deliberately commit the sin of pride, of self-righteousness. Paul, when he wrote to the Christians, he told them, Let that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Oh, to lose the crown. To Paul, to lose the crown was the tragedy of tragedies. You and I sometimes may say, Well, what's the difference if you don't get the crown of life? And it may become rather cheap and shop-worn. But I think of Jesus one day when he said, If you gain the whole world, if you got everything and you lost your soul, you lost the crown, Jesus said, You've had a lousy bargain. It's been a horrible bargain. You really are on the short end of that one. Then as regards Judas, he said this when Judas lost the crown. He said it was better for that man that he had never been born. You and I may again look and say, well, is it such a tragedy to lose the crown, to lose heaven, to lose life and salvation, to lose an eternity with Jesus Christ, to lose eternal bliss, to be reunited with loved ones for whom we mourn and for whom we weep. You know, it's hell to be lost. And that's why Paul said, and I beat my body and I keep it under subjection, lest I myself in preaching to others should be a castaway. You know, I think every preacher that reads those words, it gets goose pimples, I know I do. Gives an uncomfortable Paul saying, lest I be a castaway. The most horrible thing that that man could think of was that on the judgment day when Christ comes again and he, the great missionary to the Gentiles, should be gathered with some of the flock whom he had introduced to Christ and to have Jesus say to Paul, Paul, you're disqualified. You're a castaway. And Paul, then to see some who have learned to know Christ from him go to heaven and he sit in hell eternally and see his flock in heaven and he damned. And I think every preacher says that's the horror of horrors. To me, nothing could be more horrible than on the judgment day to be surrounded by some of you to whom I have preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and to have Christ say, Martin, you're a castaway and to see you go to hell. That would be horrible. Years ago, a man wrote a book, a German preacher wrote a book, and the title of it was, Can a Minister Be Saved? And I've never been able to get a hold of the book, but I understand the gist of it was something like this. But he concluded when he asked the question, Can a minister be saved? Well, now, maybe it might be possible, but it may not be possible. I remember going to Columbus to St. Anthony's Hospital one day to call on my departed colleague, beloved Reverend Schillinger. And I remember ministering to him down in the hospital. He had moments when he didn't know anybody. And then there were moments when his mind was quite lucid and clear. And I shall never forget 
when he had a hold of my hand one day and he looked up at me and he says, Martin, I'm fighting self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Oh, that feeling. God, look what I've done. Build a church. Build a congregation. Giving you my life. It can't happen to me. I can't be lost. But in humility, he was praying, Oh God, no, not on the basis of my righteousness, but to be a humble sinner. Oh, to be a castaway. Oh, yes. Listen, we preachers can look to ourselves. Be a castaway as possible, sure as possible. Oh, that sin, again, of self-righteousness, of pride. God, look what I've done. Giving you my life. Look what I've done in the kingdom of God. When again there's the deliberate sin of pride or self-righteousness, there's a repudiation of Jesus Christ. The story is told about two young lovers who were going to be married. They, in an accident, were killed. The story goes that as being Christians they went to heaven, but they went to our Lord and they told our Lord that they had planned to be married but that death had come and they were not able to be married and that they asked Jesus whether they couldn't be married in heaven. And the story goes that Jesus told them yes if they would wait and be patient. And so they, they waited for quite a long time and they came back to Jesus and they said to Jesus, have we waited long enough? Can we be married now? The story goes that Jesus said no You'll have to wait a little longer. You can't be married yet. And they waited a long time again and they came back to Jesus and they said, Lord, can't we be married now? And our Lord is supposed to have said to them, no. And then they said, Lord, why can't we be married now? And Jesus said, because we're still waiting for a minister. We're still waiting for a minister. It can happen. Even a ministers. But thank God Paul had the answer. Paul said, when I run the race, I don't run it aimlessly. He says, I keep my eye on Christ. Oh, let, let's run it to win. Let's not lose it. To keep our eye on Him, Jesus Keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. O oh God, not to be a Away. Let's run to win. Amen. To God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.